When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig and I am joined as ever by Paul Doolan. Hello. And Dave Watson. Hi lads, how's it going? Uh, Not bad. Not bad. Should we just go in straight with the football? I mean, I do, have you got any chat? No. No, no complete silence there. So let's talk about football. <laughs> There's been an awful lot that's happened uh, in the last week. Um, none of it an actual match. So um, I guess we'll start by talking about the fact that it looks like Steve Bruce will still be our manager this Sunday against Spurs. It's what the fans were asking for. And uh, and then uh, we'll have a break and we'll talk about that forthcoming game against Spurs and uh, what genius tactics Bruce might try. And uh, we'll have a look at Twitter. So, um, yeah, Bruce is, d- despite all expectations, the current expectation is that Bruce will be in the dugout, in the employee of Newcastle United Football Club, this Sunday, Paul, what do you think about that? I think it's sort of, I don't think it's any reflection on how good a manager he is that he's still going to be in there. I don't think there's been a change of heart from our owners that actually let's give him a chance to see what he can do. I think the reason he's going to be the manager is more telling about how the running of the club's going to work and where, where the actual structure is in decision-making because it, it seems like Stavely, uh, Meerdad and the Rubens pretty much quite quickly wanted Bruce out. And they were all seemingly actively briefing that he would be out before the Spurs game. And then that decision has to go back to the Saudis. And I think they've just gone, well, who's going to replace him? I think the idea of a caretaker manager of Graham Jones has sort of been met with yeah, but he's not a manager who's going to replace him. So I think it's just either slow decision-making or a feeling of like, that's not a good enough option, which I sort of don't necessarily massively disagree with. I think there's been a lot of Newcastle fans saying like, 
Bruce has to go before the Spurs game. There can't be anyone worse. Graham Jones can't be any worse than Bruce. I think Luton Town fans might argue otherwise after his role managing there. I understand what you're saying. Like, so my, my take is that because the the takeover itself kind of caught um, Staveley, Rubens, and all the rest of them on the hop. I don't. I, th- I think had this had it happened like eighteen months ago, they would have had Benitez in the door, you know, at the, like in time to take over whatever whatever game it was. Um, I think this has caught them on the hop, so they do want to get the like the sporting director or the technical director or the director of football, whatever they want to call it. They want to have that in place first before they then get a manager to deliver whatever it is there. Um, their, their, their like idea of what how the club should look going forward. Bruce is not going to be the long-term manager. I'd be amazed if he was given any money to spend in January. I'm, I'm convinced it will be given to somebody else. I no idea who that could be. But I just think they'll get the, you know, the names that we've been hearing, like um, uh, Ralph Rangnick or Frank McParland or whoever it is, as... Um, above Steve Bruce um, and then and then deliver it. I don't think that having Jones in the dugout against Spurs would have been worse than having Bruce in the dugout against Spurs because, I, A, I don't think we're going to win that game, um, and, and B, it's one game. So it, I don't think it really would have mattered, and I think having Bruce in the, in the dugout will... It, he, he's not liked by the fans. So there, if the game doesn't go Newcastle's way, there will be chance of you getting sacked in the morning. There will be chance of like, get out of our club or whatever. And it'll dampen the mood around what should be a new start, a fresh dawn and all the rest of it. Here's what I think. I think mm. if I was, if I was in charge, knowing what I, no, and I obviously don't know all the information. But if I was in charge, I, I would get rid of Bruce. And if it had to be Graham Jones for one or two matches while I sorted out another manager, I would. But having said that, I, I find it hilarious, the whole situation. Because what we've had is for like years, this like hate, pure hatred of Ashley, completely understandably. And therefore... This new takeover, any takeover, everything's binary, right? Everything's black and white. Excuse the pun. Is that any alternative to Mike Ashley was in the eye of many deemed immediately perfect or, or just perfect just by, by its opposition to Ashley, right? So, and, and because this particular takeover has been stewing for a year and a half in people's heads, they've got all these like visions of what it is. So when they celebrated the takeover the other night, everyone had their ideas of what that takeover meant. Well, actually everyone keeps on going. Even the people who uh, are understand uh, are saying, okay, fair enough. Bruce isn't going for the next game. There's on Twitter. There's a lot of stuff about like, uh, I trust our new owners. I trust our new owners. But the why? Why do you trust our new owners? I'm not saying that they won't be amazing, but we don't know. Like 
14 years ago when Ashley got in, I remember there was a, a lot of positivity about him. It was nothing close to this, but there was a lot of ideas that people had about what Ashley was going to do. And people looked at Ashley's wealth. We had this new billionaire owner who was like worth whatever it was at the time, 2.5 billion or whatever. And people looked at that wealth and were like, well, 2.5 billion. If he spends just 1 billion of that on us, we'll be great. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean that's going to happen. For the last like couple of weeks, there's been all these pie charts and stuff of like Saudi's wealth, two hundred and fifty billion or whatever. People are looking at that and saying, "Right, well, think of the players we could get." They've never said how much they're going to spend. I'm sure that they've 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 indicated, and I do believe them in this, that they're going to invest a lot more than the investment that we've had that we've had in the past decade. But, like, we don't know that they're going to, like, invest as much as Man City have. And we also don't know that they know what the fuck they're doing. I think a couple of yeah, things, though. They, I agree we don't know how much they're going to invest, but they're not going to invest... They're not going to buy a Premier League club to run or to try and run a good mid-table concern. They're not trying to run, sort of, Villa or Leicester. They're doing it for a reason. They will presumably just pump money in and that does unfortunately tend to work eventually in football it's sort of you look at the league table i think you're probably to, i think you're probably right, with but i don't think there's any it isn't, yeah but i don't think there's any guarantees that they will endlessly pump money in i think no, no, there's no there's no there's no guarantee but then this, this, the reason that the Saudis are buying New, have bought Newcastle United is to like bask in the reflected glory, and they're not going to bas- be able to bask in any glory if they don't put a lot of money into the not just the 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 infrastructure and all that boring crap, but into the playing squad. They've talked about fifty million a year um, for the first few like first five years or something, plus whatever we make in sales. So have they said that publicly? Stavely has, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, Stavely, it's quoted in the Athletic. Um, so she said like 50 million plus whatever they make in sales. Fair enough. That is um, a number. Okay. It's a number, but it's, it's not a staggering number. It's not like no. we're going to keep throwing money until we catch up with Man City. And they've talked about you know long-term goals and, and progression and stuff like that. One thing I wanted to mention is that um, this takeover was bungled. And that's a big red flag for me because all, all of the issues that delayed the takeover and you know caused the takeover to be more controversial than it... I mean, it was always going to be controversial, but more controversial than it, it could have got away with. Um, they, they've bungled it. And that gives me pause. It gives me... It's a red flag because it doesn't mean you know they know what they're doing on the football side of things. It personally... If I knew that um, PIF was yeah, still be, involved, there could be the I case. Have, I was just going to say that they, they, I, I would have had in mind a technical director, of director of football, or whomever, re- ready to take over and say, "Look, if this is, would you be interested? Great. Would you be ready to go? Like within a couple of weeks of the takeover going through? Perfect. Like that's the kind of like I don't know safety net I would have had around it. I mean, you can't do it with fo- football managers because they need to be in the job. Um, and, you know, it's, it's more disruptive to take Rafa Benitez away from Everton than it would be to take, you know, um, Ralph Rangin, Nick, from um, 
well, no, is it Lokomotiv Moscow or somewhere? I think he is now. Yeah, somewhere. yeah you, you can poach a, a director of football easier than you can a, a manager. But I think it's so, what a lot sort of feels indicative of is a lot of the stuff we're hearing about the direction of the club in the press is only coming from the minor shareholders in terms of who actually owns the club. I think where the real clout and decision-making comes is over the other side of the world. And that process seems to be quite slow at the minute. So I think there's a... Which isn't necessarily the end of the world. I don't think we'll look back and think, oh, we should have got rid of Bruce a week earlier than we did. I think it it will still happen. But I think it's more troubling that the people that own the club don't all seem to be on the same page and... It's almost not briefing against each other, but briefing different things or briefing things that they can't promise, which, I mean, is pretty much Stavely's form through all of the takeover. Yeah. I would I would say that they're not on the same page yet. I don't think there is a direct line of communication between um, uh, Stavely, the Rubens, the club, and also the non-exec chairman, whose name I forget. Is it Al Rahmayan? I don't remember, but he's going to be the... Sounds the, like they need a WhatsApp group. They need a WhatsApp group. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, he's supposed to be at the Spurs game on Sunday. So I would hope that that accelerates things because you can sit down, you know, you can sit down together and say, right, we need this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. We need the this done, that done, and the other done. And you can actually, like, hash it out very quickly and hopefully that will open a, a direct line of communication, which will mean that subsequent decisions don't drag on as much as this, especially when everybody knows Steve Bruce is very likely to lose his job soon. I thought it was going to be before the Spurs game. It doesn't look like that's the case. But it'll happen. Maybe you'll be around. Maybe you'll be in around a while. Maybe we'll get a year or two. I'm not even joking. Like this, I'm not even joking. I think it's I think it's unlikely, but like, who knows? You know, like it. It, it sounds like the 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 Saudis are saying they don't want to sack Bruce without having a replacement lined up, which makes me think maybe they're not that familiar with the way. Sacking managers traditionally works. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, maybe they'll all turn up to this game on Sunday. We tend to do pretty well against Spurs. Maybe we'll have quite a good performance and they'll go, wow, nothing to worry about. And then just keep listening to a talk sport and, and, uh, and uh, keep on hearing that there's no better manager to, oh. to do a relegation battle than Steve Bruce. And, uh, this drives me mad when you hear people on TalkSport say, I, like, you've got to stick with Bruce because he's got real experience of relegation battles. Yeah, because he gets the club into relegation battle. That's why. So, no, he, like... Well, they to be to fair, he often has been... He often managed clubs that you would expect to be in a relegation battle. But, yeah, I mean, to the Trevor Sinclair was saying on TalkSport today that... Um, that uh, they should keep him in because he knows because you can't buy anyone in January until January. But for now, Steve Bruce knows how to manage these players. <laughs> <laughs> didn't he, didn't he say it's not, it's not it's not about popularity, but it's about points. 
yeah. cool, we've got three. <laughs> we haven't won all game. He's won some, something like seven in 37 games. That's Yeah, I think that's what it is. I feel like TalkSport talk sport is very good evidence for the argument that heading a football does cause some form of brain damage. <laughs> you listen to the ex-pros on there. Or that if you say something that antagonises Newcastle fans, you'll get a lot of quote tweets. Yeah. Mm. I mean, watching Newcastle Twitter this week has been predictably hilarious. It's, we all have, we've spoken about this on the pod a lot before. Every football fan's default position is sort of whenever they say what they think will happen, basically they're saying what they hope will happen, but aren't aware mm. of the difference. You've seen fans saying like Bruce has to go before this weekend or it's going to be toxic. And then the same fans now being like, well, actually, this is a really good decision by the board because you have to trust in the process and you can't rush in. And it's just stop doing these mental gymnastics to make the owners seem like the perfect owners you want them to be and judge them on what they do over the next few years. Okay, so um, what we'll do now is we'll have a break. And after that break, we will um, continue to go on a bit of a rambling conversation uh, in which we will talk about if Bruce does go, who might replace him. There's been a heck of a lot of rumours. And we'll also go in on Twitter and we'll also talk about what we think might happen in that Spurs game. Welcome back. Good break, guys. Yeah, very nice. Good. Lovely. Uh, I'm just going to go straight in on um, Twitter because, you know, we've had a few questions and comments from uh, to uh, our Newcastle Natter. Do follow us on Twitter at Newcastle Natter. Drew Black says, being reported by The Telegraph that Bruce is in charge for the Tottenham match, how much longer until we see twi- Twitter say... New owners out. I mean, that is. It will be interesting to see how long the new owners are. How quickly people will turn on away from them being absolute gods. Did I, I sent you both? Anyone listening at home? Try and see if you can find. There's been on YouTube a song put up by somebody called the Geordie Singer, and it is about Amanda Staveley, and it appears to be completely sincere. They've taken, is it Barry Manilow? Yes. The Barry Manilow song, Mandy, and they've changed the words to being about Amanda Staveley. Paul, you put in, and it's just just insanely... It's hard to watch. It's more embarrassing for the club than when Kieran Dyer and Lee Bowyer had that fight on the pitch. (laughs) I, d- I don't think there's a chance you, we, should you point, be, we should be docked points for it. You pointed out, Paul, someone on Twitter this week was trying to set up a GoFundMe page yeah. for any causes. Go on. To, what was it? Well, this, I think it was someone replying to George Colkin. It might have been at the Athletics Q&A thing. And someone asked if George Colkin knew what charitable causes were close to Amanda Staveley's heart. So they could set up Honestly. a GoFundMe to fund them to get her some good press. Um, she's not going to shag you, mate. 
<laughs> she's more than capable of setting up her own GoFundMe. She might not be the charitable, virtuous person you think she is. She might have quite bad judgment, seeing as she used to go out with Prince Andrew. Who knows? She <laughs> might not be She perfect. might be lovely. Yeah. She might be lovely, but we haven't won those trophies yet. They're no. not in yeah. the bag. It's not, she hasn't, it's all like our club being saved and our dreams coming true. It hasn't Our dreams have not come true yet, unless your dream was just not to be owned by Mark Ashley. Our dreams have not, they may well. Things are, from a footballing perspective, I, I, I am far more optimistic about the club winning a trophy in my lifetime than I was two weeks ago. Yeah, like, but let's not let's let's not creep on the new owners. It's just it's yeah. honestly. You remember when there was that Saudi bot account, that Kate Stewart with the picture of the rose, and there were yeah. loads of blokes like asking how a day was and stuff. It's it's that level of creepy. Just just fucking leave her alone. <laughs> she's she's fine. Just just let it get on with her job. Let's not. She might not be fine. She might be awful. She might she be might lovely. Be. We don't have a fucking clue. That's Although, Dave, I think because you summed that up so nicely, I'd quite like to thank you. What charitable causes are close to your heart? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I can set up a GoFundMe. So, uh, 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 hen, hen. But I do think from just coming back to that question, I don't think, even if we lose against Spurs, I don't think it's going to be a toxic atmosphere against Bruce. I still think it's going to be a, it's just going to be a mental day. I don't think the fans in the stadium aren't going to be as bothered about Bruce as the fans online. And I think it's just going to be such a release of emotion that Ashley's gone that I I think even if we lose, unless we get absolutely pasted, I don't think there's going to be a lot of we want Bruce out chant or anything. I think it's, I don't think people will want to tarnish the day. I would say if we are getting a pummeling, then there may well be those chants just because just by virtue of the fact that there's there were those chants before and now actually there's a fairly strong chance that they'll be listened to. I, I, I think that, that it would I think it's quite vindictive the idea that like oh we ha- it's our special day and we have to to get this man's sack. It's very my super so sorry thing. The reaction of a lot of Newcastle fans is like, this is my perfect day and it has to go how I want it to go and everything has to go my way. It's like just let the owners when the lineup when the lineup's announced, this is our day. And (laughs) (laughs) and Hayden's at centre back on our day. I should say I do like our football club and our fans. I know this podcast doesn't often make it sound like but it's just I think it. Football fandom in general, there's so much fucking childish behaviour now. You just like, just let people make decisions. It doesn't have to be watched 24-7. Some, something that will upset Fergus is that the flags are back. So um, I, know, I know he hates flags. I'd look, I do. That's, a, that's from a long time ago. Long-time listeners may remember. I never had a problem with flags per se. I just didn't understand why it was. We got Gallagher flags. We got some big flags at the stadium, and there was just 
a week of everyone going about like, oh, it's incredible. People like donating money to have some flags. It's like flags, good, fine. It was just all right, fucking flags, fine, good. Um, Henrik Larson, and I don't think this is (laughs) Henrik Larson has got in touch with us on Twitter. And I don't, it's clearly not the Henrik Larson, but I do think this is, it's genuinely his name. And uh, he says, uh, who's your favourite option to become our new manager after Bruce is out? And what is your opinion on the Bruce situation? Well, we've sort of covered that, but who, who would you like to see as our next manager, Dave? Well, some of the names that we've been li- li- linked with, everything from like Conte, who is a button, like he's an, he is the guy that takes a team from third to first. He is like he is an elite level coach, all the way down to like Eddie Howe is still somehow in the running, according to the bookies. Genuinely, I don't think the bookies have a fucking clue because I think honestly, I think that the the, the the new owners are trying to sort of set out the director of football sport and director technical director, that side of things. I'm convinced that's what they're doing because they haven't just immediately installed a new man. Like I, th- I think if they would, I think Paul, you mentioned like they must be working out how they they want the setup to be. Um, I think this is indicative of that. I think that this is proof that, that, that they're not just going to go off and get like throw money at, Jose Mourinho or whoever they're trying to do the backroom stuff so at a guess and it would be a guess Brendan Rodgers I know that he's recently said that he's 100% committed to Leicester but then he said he was 100% committed Dave the question is who would you like not the question is who would you like to see I'm going to go all football hipster and Eden Terzic um, who's at uh, (laughs) I'm going to go talk sport and shout at you (laughs) <laughs> um, so he, he's um, at, uh, I think he's a buyer now, but he, he's basically um, a f- technical director. He's t- taken over and he's he's done a few games with them. He's very much of the the Klopp, Tuchel, uh, Harsenhutl mould. Um, he did some coaching under Slavin Bilic at West Ham for a bit, but he is very much like the next one and you look at the, the stats of the way that he's got them playing and it is that like high pressing um it's a lot of work down done down the flanks by the the fullbacks a lot of opportunities created in the the second half so it's, it's about like high level energy levels and stuff like that it's and he, he plays like good football I can just say that's who that's I'd very, like that's a very typical Dave choice I'm looking at the betting of who are the favourites for the Newcastle job? There's a list of about 80 names and he's not on there. <laughs> <laughs> Joey Barton's on that list. Fuck off. Your guy <laughs> Look, I, I appreciate I've gone full Easy. football hipster, but he is... He really sounds really a lot... Like, he sounds a lot... He sounds a lot like someone who would uh, get Huddersfield relegated. <laughs> yeah. No, I... Th- it sounds sort of like that. Look, you asked the football dickhead what he thought and who he'd like, no, and the football yeah, sure. dickhead answered. Fair enough. What have, about you here's two? a question. Have you, ever, right. have you ever seen a ball kicked that he managed? Have you ever seen a single one game? I've seen a Bayern game, yeah. Oh. 
Okay. Paul? It's top more balls. I would like Brendan Rodgers, but I think that's not going to happen now. There's a, they seem to think he's holding out for the Man City job after Pep goes, which I think that's a that's optimistic on his part. I don't think that'll necessarily happen. I would like him. I'm a bit worried that Frank Lampard is the bookie's favourite. I think his record at Derby and Chelsea doesn't exactly scream the person to get you out of a relegation battle. But I think the, the one thing is pretty much every name we could name would be better than Bruce. I think we have to recalibrate a little bit expectations of our next manager not being the one who's going to be here for 10 years and progress every season, but the one who's going to do well enough to keep us in the division while we build a decent squad and then get sacked for not finishing in the top eight or something like that. I wouldn't mind Steven Gerrard. I think that'd be interesting. Sure, there's a lot of... Yeah, yeah, sure. There's a lot of unknown quantities, but I'd like... Steven Gerrard, okay. Yeah, who knows? A lot of people might scoff at that, but, you know, he's done very well at Rangers. And, you know, I think, I think he's considered, I think he's actually been considered to have done a good job there rather than it just be, well, big deal, you've won the league with one of the top two sides in Scotland. Um, Frank Lampard, One thing I wanted to always, do... Sorry, I was just yes, going to say um, uh, that w- the way I'm looking at our next manager is is not that like he's he'll be the one like you're saying, Paul. But it's exactly the same way as I'm looking at the what what crop of players, what pool of players we're going to be pulling from. We're not going for the Kylian Mbappes and Erling Haaland's and you know the world beaters. We're not there yet. Neither are we there yet for the the. The, the managers, because we're not going to be in Europe. We're not going to be genuinely challenging for cups or certainly not the league. So we can't attract somebody who wants that on their CV. So like someone like Steven Gerrard, he definitely will at some point want the Liverpool job. And I've got no problem with Steven Gerrard coming to Newcastle, turning us from a, a team that bumbles around 13th, 14th to a team that like maybe finishes ninth or 10th or whatever. If he's got the capability to do that, then then yeah, fine, crack on. Sure, yeah, I'm no, I'm, I'm not immediately opposed to it. it um, Frank Lampard, I've always quite liked Frank Lampard, and I think it's quite possible that he could go on to have a respectable managerial career. But like his managerial career so far, I don't think it's been awful, but it doesn't suggest to me he's like suited to either a relegation fight or a relegation fight with our squad mm. with mm. our deficiencies which is our, all our problems are in defense and it seemed like his way of playing he didn't really have a midfield he didn't really have a, a, a defensive midfield it was just it seemed like all of his midfield sort of play midfielders played like Frank Lampard (laughs) (laughs) there was no sort of like there was like a big gap between midfield and defences I think that's the perception that there was my opinions of Frank Lampard are uh, uh, influenced by the fact that I listen to a lot of football weekly and just (laughs) sort of regurgitating things that they said um, I think if we're going to look at a young English coach or an English coach at the beginning of his career, I'd much rather we looked at Potter. Yeah. 
because he looks like he's got some um, innovative ideas. He gets them playing good football. Um, I think the only thing that's holding was holding Brighton back in previous seasons is that the lack of quality in the squad. I think we've got a better squad than, than Brighton, and I think that Potter is more likely to be able to work in a structure with a director of football and a technical director than someone like Frank Lampard, who, and it's purely my like my my perception, which could be way off, is that he's more of a takes over at newly promoted West Brom, maybe keeps them up, and then they go down the next season because he's brought in loads of his old mates from Chelsea. You know, that kind of a bit of an old boy network kind of manager. Yeah. One thing I've noticed, Harry one thing I've noticed <laughs> in the kind of in trying to figure out who our next manager is going to be, I've found myself feeling quite quite nervous about the decision, not really knowing why. And then you realize it's because, as a Newcastle fan for the last 14 years, you sort of think if we hire this manager and it goes wrong, we're still stuck with them. Like in our recent history, if we appoint the wrong manager and they tank, it has to go so badly to get sat. Whereas you get the feeling now we're going to be in a place where like, if we bring in someone who's a bit of a risk and they don't perform well, they're out. So it is, we're not going to be tied into the level we would have been to a bad decision before. Mm. It's the pressure is a little bit less on a manager to be perfect coming in. I think there could easily... I do like the sound of Potter. I think there could easily be some European manager that I don't really know much about who's the perfect fit. But I quite like the idea at the stage we are now. I quite like the idea of Eddie Howe. Just... Yeah. He's he's worked with some of our squad and... He's apparently holding out for the Southampton job, which feels a bit insulting. Maybe he's um, a real South Coast fan. (laughs) <laughs> One option is that we do bring in Rangnick, Ralph Rangnick, as like a technical director. He is a coach. He could comfortably take the job for the next 10 games and then install somebody who's suddenly available. I think all this Rangnick talk feels like... Do you remember when loads of Newcastle fans wanted us to get Hitzfeld and it was never <laughs> going to happen and it never did happen? This feels like that a bit, where everyone's gone. I think Rangnick would be a great sporting director, but I think a lot of people have taken that and gone, so that's what's going to happen here. This is why things aren't being slowed down by the lines of communication between us and the Saudis. Things are being slowed down because we're trying to get the perfect sporting director in first and then a manager. I think it might be more the case that we've got four people running a football club who've never run a football club which is why things are getting slowed down. I don't I, I think, think the Ranganik thing's going to happen. I'd really like it to, but I think it mm. would be too good a decision for our group at the moment to make. So I'm just going to go back that, in That's on... why that... Yes, Dave. Yeah, not finished. I was just going to sure. say that I think that's why we need to get that, that appointment done. Yes. As soon as possible. Okay, sure. I'm, I'm down with that. A um, couple more things on Twitter. Uh, Robert Elliott says, are the Rubens going to be good custodians of Newcastle? After all, they tore up the turf at Gosforth Park and put down an all-weather track. Will St. James's Park be called something else this time next year? That is true. That, that's Apparently, that's part of the plan, that we're going to change name. And um, a few years ago, that was 
I've not heard anything hear about it. changing. No, I've the heard nothing about no. changing the name of the stadium. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, we can hear you, but I've not heard anything about. Doesn't mean we respect again. you. <laughs> no. Okay. I've I've heard that there's a big chance that that's going to happen, and uh, we'll see whether the reaction is the same as it was last time around. Um, Reverend Go- Joe Kinsella says, uh, "Okay, I keep." being really excited by it all, but then wanting to walk away. It's not just the issues surrounding Saudi rule, but we are now part of the elite, which has so changed the heart of football. I struggle with that. But we might win something. I completely understand that. It's all, it's, it's, we sort of covered that a lot in the last podcast. It's not just about um, human rights and all of that. It's just about football in general. We are now at the centre of what is a new kind of football which has its pros and cons right anything else you want to say on that I think that's fair enough I think maybe if you're going to walk away wait until you've at least seen a bit of decent football I think that's when it'll be telling when we start actually being good I still think the the sort of hug will be there but then I think I think particularly for those of us who don't have season tickets it's just a question of like, I mean, it's not a big deal to turn on the television and watch it, particularly if you've got a subscription. It's just, go, it's going to be over the next couple of years. When you watch it, how do you feel about it? How do you really feel about it? Or do you end up finding a lot more love just from going and watching a uh, a lower league side? I mean, I used to watch Manchester City when I was a student in Manchester and I really, really liked Manchester City and I grew like a real affection for the team and they were like very much my second club pretty much all the way until they got taken over. And it wasn't an immediate thing. I wasn't like, this wasn't as big a debate then. I wasn't like, oh, there was the takeover. As soon as that happened, I wasn't like, oh, I don't like Man City anymore. Just over time, I just had no fondness for them because it just felt like completely something completely different. And mm-hmm. that's it's going to be completely different with this because this is my first club, and I expect it to remain so. But I think it'll it's always going to be a little bit different, you know. Yeah. Although I think if you'd been a student in Newcastle in the last few years, going to St James's, you would have stopped after about two games. <laughs> there would have been no initial enjoyment to hold on to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the time when I got into Manchester City, they were playing in what is now League One. Yeah. So they were awful, but there was there was something about the club itself to fall in love with, and they were on the up from a very very low point. Thomas Thomas Burkan says, if you could pick any one player for the new season, who would it be? So let's take that as new season. Let's say, let's just do this very quickly. Let's say next summer we're making a big signing. Let's assume. We're not back. We won't go on Mbappe or Haaland, but let's put ourselves into the category that they're willing to spend 150 million pounds on one player. Potentially. Go on. I'll answer it however you want. I mean, this is a side of I mean, my ambition. I was thinking Phillips from Leeds. That's <laughs> sort of still no, fair temp- enough. That's an answer. Still tempering everything. Yeah. yeah, I mean, again, I, I could go like real football hipster and start talking about Sandro Tonali and, and all that lot, but I, 
I think like Laut- Lautaro Martinez um, plays for Inter, striker. He looks really good. I really like the look of him. Um, I'm quite happy to go and sign him. He's he's young. I, I can't remember how old he is. He's 24. So, you know, that's kind of what I... Like, if we could go and sign anybody, yeah, he's a young striker who looks like he's going to bang the goals in. Him? Okay. Never heard of him, but he sounds good. <laughs> oh, I like Kante. All right. <laughs> Uh, all right. Yeah, that's, so I was just going. <laughs> I like Kante. Such, like such a dad answer. What? Kante. Dad, yeah, remember, when you, remember when you were, remember Christmas? Remember Christmas when you were kids? Dad never shut up about Kante, did he? Oh, it's just a famous Premier League footballer who's now in the like declining years of his career. To be fair, Dave, he'd probably have more of an impact on the Newcastle team than either of our choices. That's what Who was your choice again? Is it Matty Phillips at Leeds? Oh, Calvin, yeah. Phillips. Calvin Phillips. Calvin Phillips. Matty Phillips. Phillips. Calvin Phillips. Matty Phillips Matt at West Brom. <laughs> I think it's just, I think it's his time. <laughs> I mean, that's really good impression. What about Lee Trundle of Swansea? Why don't yeah. we get him? <laughs> oh. So uh our next match, our big special day for all of us. It's our, it's our big is this Sunday, 4.30, on, on Sky Sports, if you live in the UK. Um, what are you going to wear? What are you going to mm. wear, guys, if you've got your dress for your big special day? Oh, I cannot, I cannot wait. I'm going to get, I'm going to get, I'm going to get up at 5 in the morning for my big <laughs> special day. Um, no, I'll tell you one thing I'm not going to be fucking wearing I'm not going to be fucking wearing a headscarf or a bedsheet or uh, any of that crap no, we should say Dave yes. hates banter I hate banter banter's bollocks yeah I think I think the sooner the Saudi no, flags is, on Twitter it, and the the bedsheets and stuff stop the better but they won't yeah they may stop eventually but maybe for the wrong reasons but, um, but bedding, uh, yes, that, I don't know. The Newcastle NASA line is stop it with the fucking Saudi flags. <laughs> so, um, yes, this Sunday, the plan is that uh, Paul is go- you're going to come to my house with your family yeah. to watch the game. Now, there are a couple of big things that may scupper the enjoyment one, that our fucking family is going to be there. So, um, Hopefully the children uh, don't spoil our special day. I mean, they might and, all go uh, for a trip to the park, I think. Maybe. Okay, well, we'll see. And uh, also, uh, Laurie has just found out that someone she spent the day with two days ago has uh, COVID, so she's waiting on PCR uh, test results uh, <laughs> tomorrow. So maybe coronavirus will spoil our special day. Um, in terms of football, Dave, what do you think is going to happen on our special day? I think we're going to lose 2 0. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, but like, I mean, <laughs> Spurs is like, we can, we can be as excited for the new dawn and the excitement, but it's still this squad managed by Steve Bruce against a much better 11, whichever 11 they name. 
I know that Nuno Espirito Santo doesn't have them playing particularly well, but they still play with Son, Kane, um, and a stack of other much better footballers than we've got. So I reckon we'll lose 2-0. Um, that's, fuck it, it's fine. We've got plenty of games left in the season. Paul? I don't know. I've got caught up in the hype a bit. I think the atmosphere is yeah. going to be incredible. I think there's going to be a lot of fans back who haven't been there for a few years. I think it's that does always have an effect on the pitch. And Spurs are pretty woeful at the minute. Kane's in the worst form. I think he's been in for quite a while. They're not really creating any chances. Not that you need to against us. We'll usually supply them. I think I think one all or possibly two one to us. I'm gonna go one all. I think we're gonna win. I think we're gonna win two one. Because I don't know, I haven't gone back and looked over the results, but I always have the perception that we always do well against Spurs, or we very often do well against Spurs. We very often overachieve ourselves against Spurs. Spurs at the minute are shit. For Spurs, they're very much not not where they're supposed to be right now as a team. They're not playing well. They're definitely not playing, creating a lot of chances. And we, that is our weakness, is in defence. I just think that we do have, we've been really good going forward in a lot of games this season. We do have Alan St. Maximin. We do have. And we are going to have a very enthusiastic crowd behind us. And it and, is our special day. And Callum Wilson should be back as well. Well, and they're possibly, saying... My... Possibly Shelby and Lascelles as well. Well, they're saying that Willock's doubtful, Wilson's doubtful, Lascelles is doubtful, Dubravka's doubtful, Almiron's definitely not going to be there because he's off playing for Paraguay. Um that's the same for the Spurs, Argentina and Brazil lot as well, isn't it? But I think as well, well Dave, yeah, that... if you're doubtful and Steve Bruce has essentially one game to impress the managers that will employ, he, yeah. he will put anyone in. Yeah, just... I, and also, it's Steve Bruce's, let's just say, it's, it's Steve Bruce's thousandth game. So it may be our special day, but it's very much Steve Bruce's special day and he's not going to want to lose on his special day yes it is thousand team as a manager but he's not very good he's statistically the worst premier league manager with over 200 games in the premier league he's a bad <laughs> some caveat though. i agree but the caveat of like over well, 200 yeah. games well yeah because otherwise it could just be a guy that was in for six months like um I don't know, De Boer or something like that, where he's got like a 100% loss record, which skews well, it. This, that, this is no, that would be a more accurate a field. You can't go like, he's the worst Premier League manager taking out all the shit ones who've been too bad to put into my data set. I agree no, he's a shit manager. Go. I don't think you need to cook the numbers to sort of... I'm, I'm not cooking the numbers. I'm saying that like of, of the ones with a long career in the Premier League he's the worst and that's that's what i'm saying i'm not saying he's the worst football manager of all time to take a premier league game he's just 
somehow limped on despite being bollocks for the majority of his career. That's all I'm saying, Paul. He's shit. But of all those, of all the, of all the other managers, and here we go. We're gonna, we managed to go stumble back into me defending Bruce. But of all the other managers who've had over 200 games, Steve Bruce is probably out of them the only one who's never managed, never had the chance to manage a squad that is a top six squad. When in his career has he ever managed a top six Premier League squad? I bet I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure that every other one of the managers who's managed over 200 games has managed. But then you come back to that thing of saying, well, why is he always in relegation battles? The reason he's never managed a top six squad is because he's never been good enough. (laughs) He's never taken a squad to top six. This is a point that I want to make very, very quickly, is that this this idea that you, you can have like a relegation survival specialist as if somebody, a better manager, couldn't do that job just as well. Are you telling me that like... Guardiola or Klopp wouldn't be better suited to be get, to getting a, a, a team like Newcastle United out of that. They're not they're not good because they've of got good right. players. They're, they're good. They've got good players because they're good. Steve Bruce's shit hasn't had a, a shot with a big job because he's not very good. Of course, you're right. I just think that the um, the stat on the 200 games, the worst manager, is a bit of a silly stat that gets thrown around. It's a bit like saying he's the worst footballer to win 50 caps for England. It it doesn't yeah. It it doesn't quite it, it's not as good as stat as people think it is. But I agree in the grand scheme of things he's pretty shit and I'm looking forward to having another manager. You know, in, interestingly I I did hear or I read somewhere in the last couple of days, apparently Roy Keane said the thing about Steve Bruce is he's very good at managing up, in other words. And and this was something that Roy Keane admired about Steve Bruce, but it's probably why fans hate him, but also why he gets a lot of games and Mm. why he gets a lot of jobs. He's very good at managing boardrooms. In other words, he's... He's really good at getting on with the people at the top, yeah. Because I presume he he does the things that they want and and balances the books or whatever, you know. So um, there you go. Uh, with the it's the second podcast of the post Mike Ashley era, and we're still talking about Steve Bruce. Long may it continue. So. Um, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you very much, Paul Doolan. Thank you. Thank you, Dave Watson. Thank you. Thank you to you, the Newcastle NASA listener. Thank you. Goodbye. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.